Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you for joining us for our Wednesday evening Light for Living Bible study. It's been a privilege week after week to be able to come into your home and into your heart. And we're just trusting for the hand of God to touch his word, to touch my mind, and to help us collectively gather our thoughts and center ourselves around his word. There's no greater privilege than to be able to look into the word of God and see his word and, and understand his precepts and how they apply to our lives day in and day out. I'm very thankful that as a young man, the spirit of God stirred my heart. I was really too young to fully understand and comprehend what the Lord was trying to give birth to in my life, but I am very thankful that I responded to that even though I was not old enough to comprehend what he was truly doing in my life. I'm thankful to know that in truth that Jesus is a life changer. He changed my life and he can change yours. I don't just say that about myself or for you individually, but I just have met too many people through the years who the Spirit of God has moved in their lives and completely transformed them from what they were to what they are today. We look at them today and we see their smile and we see their family and we see the end result of their life and we think, oh, if we could just be them. But if you don't know the backstory, if you don't really know what the power of the blood of the cross has done in their life, then there is a tremendous gap. And if we can look back, we could see how the hand of God has moved mightily and tremendously in their lives, restoring their mind, their heart, in many cases, restoring their homes and their lives. I'm thankful that Jesus is a life changer. This evening, I'm going to take my text from the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 20. The Bible says, A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. You know, when people think of the Lord, I'm sure there are many images or perhaps thoughts that come into their mind. Uh, perhaps people think of the Lord and they think about signs and miracles and wonders, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And I will tell you that if you've ever experienced a miracle in your life, I'm confident that that is as real today as it was the day that God manifested himself in that fashion in your life. I've experienced times and seasons in my life where it was just was the hand of God. There was nothing else that could have opened that door. I've heard people say that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. But if I could take that one step further, I can tell you that God can make a way where there is no way. It doesn't just seem to be no way. There is no way. I'm thankful for those times, and I want to celebrate them in my life. But I, and while I appreciate those seasons where God miraculously manifested himself in my life and in yours, I'm thankful for more than that. I'm thankful that the hand of God and the Spirit of the Lord is still in the business of changing lives. 
In our Old Testament, uh, in, in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy, a prophecy that was spoken some uh, seven centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ, and that was our text this evening. It speaks of a bruised reed that the Bible talks about that Jesus would not break or a smoking flax that he would not quench. The passage, I believe, seems to, to speak directly into the hearts and about the hearts and lives of people that are wounded. People that are about to throw in the towel. People that have said enough is enough. And to be sure, life is today and always has been filled with people that are bruised and battered. Lives that have been broken by circumstances. And sometimes it was circumstances that even they were born into. And so they had no vote. They had no say in the tragic events that were about to unfold in their lives. Simply relegated by the circumstances and the environment in which they would be raised. Recently, my wife and I were, were made privy to the life of a young lady and how it just seems that, that life was stacked against her even before she was born. And so it's no wonder that her life ran off the rails and it's no wonder that the consequences of, of, of poor decisions that she made time and time again took her down a very long and a dark path, a journey that no one in their right mind would ever envy. And so when we think about the hurting people everywhere, it really doesn't matter in the, in the largest sense what it is an end result of because there's so many things in life that can batter and bruise, whether it's abuse or divorce or alcoholism or drugs, depression or oppression and and again, that's a long, long list. But people by the scores are just suffering at the hands of what we might just call life. It's just life. Some things are just unavoidable because we live in a sinful world and we are bound by a sinful nature. And so there are many people that are just wounded by, by the things and the circumstances of their life. The fact that many people uh, would say that, that we are where we are because of this or because of that would be true. It would be accurate because they really didn't have a lighthouse, a guiding force that would keep them safe from the, from the rocks and the rugged and the jagged edges of life. But I, I think, I think uh, on the words of Jesus where he said that I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm thankful to know that Jesus Christ is still in the life-changing business. My life has been changed. Many of you listening or watching this tonight can concur that your life has been positively changed by the power of the cross. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, it just holds one of the most beautiful stories of redemption in all of the Word of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, it was here that King David asked a very important question. He said, Is there any left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? In verse 3, he uses the term, the kindness of God. Now, this was an earthly man, a literal man, a man who bore the title of king. But he said, I, I want to let the kindness of God flow through me and into the life of someone else. There was, in fact, a man left of that lineage, not just any young man, but he was a broken and a bruised young man. 
This young man's name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the heir of Israel. He was the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul. Mephibosheth was a man who it seemed at birth just had so much going for him. His life was set. His future was already in the brackets. He was going to be a winner. However, King David calls for Mephibosheth because he wanted to honor a covenant that he had made with Mephibosheth's father so many years prior. Mephibosheth was completely unaware of this agreement. Mephibosheth was unaware of the covenant that had been made out of the friendship of Jonathan and David. And so when Mephibosheth is called by the king, someone says, hey, King David wants to see you. You know, uh, that's not always good news. You don't know what this is going to be because certainly David was not a, a, a friend to the kingdom. It looked at at least as a friend of the kingdom of Saul. And so it was with great fear and trepidation that Mephibosheth comes into the presence of the king. As a matter of fact, he was so downtrodden in his mind and in his spirit. He was so broken that the Bible says he referred to himself as a dead dog. Who am I that I would be in the presence of the king, not understanding the full magnitude of what was about to unfold in his life? But David, who is a type of Christ here, he says, fear not. Because my intentions today is not to extract a debt that is owed, but my intention today is to restore everything back to you that rightfully belongs to you. Because understand, David, as a type of Christ, was speaking for that that was to come, someone that is going to return all the years that the canker worm has eaten and everything that sin and debauchery has stolen. Mephibosheth Mephibosheth himself had probably, just allow me a little bit of room here, but I believe that Mephibosheth, it's very possible that he grew up thinking that it was David's fault that he had the problems that he had. When he was just four years old, just a young child, his nurse took him up to flee, to run away, and dropped him. And because of that, the scripture says that he was lame of his feet. He lived the rest of his life paying the penalty for that one moment, that one time in his life. Perhaps it was something that he heard all of his, all of his life. Maybe people around him said, Hey, Mephibosheth, you wouldn't even be in this condition if it hadn't been for David. Amen. You wouldn't even be like you are. You wouldn't have had to suffer all of these things that you suffered in life. Not only the physical handicap, but perhaps being somewhat of a social outcast by his peers because he wasn't able to participate in the things of life as others around him did. Maybe that's how some people today would even look at God. I've heard people say, how could a merciful God allow this to happen or that to happen when tragedies befall families or friends or when when things around us seem to fall apart there are people that say how could God do something like that they think if he is so loving and and if God is so kind then how is it that he can allow all these awful things to happen in our life but I just want to tell you tonight that God himself 
is not the author of misery. And he is not the cause of your problems. His word teaches us that he wants us to be the head and not the tail. That he wants us to lend and not borrow. And that he wants us to be the victor and not the victim. Amen. God wants us to rise and declare that we are, by his grace, made more than conquerors. And so if you're bruised and battered, then I want to tell you that Jesus Christ can heal your pains and he can take care of the problem and the peril that is in your life. His word teaches us that if we will just cast our cares on him and we can do so with this safety net, casting your cares upon him for he careth for you. It's not going to fall on deaf ears. We don't have a high priest that can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but we're talking and serving a God that was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. He understands what we're going through. He has faced what we're facing. He has felt what we're feeling. And so he is touched by what, we, what touches us. Like Mephibosheth, Jesus Christ will restore everything to you that Satan has stolen and then some because that's how the Lord works. When I was in third grade, when I was in third grade, my parents, uh, just for a short period of time, moved. Uh, we lived next door to my grandmother and my grandfather, Boyd. And uh, it was just one of the most incredible seasons of my life. I have so many wonderful and fond memories. While we were always close, always close to my grandparents, just being in that close proximity was a real life lesson. There's just something about grandmothers. There's just something about them. They're special. I think many of us have wonderful stories we would share with the world if we were given a world stage. But one of the things that struck me, I was just a young man, but one of the things that struck me, and I carry it with me to this very day, is that when my mother would send me next door to borrow something like we need an egg or we need a cup of sugar or a cup of flour. My grandmother boy would never just send me home with one egg. She would never just send me home with just one cup of sugar. She never, ever one time sent me home with just what I asked for. That is just the nature of a grandmother. And perhaps other, but certainly the nature of my grandmother. She's going to send you home with way more than you ever went there for. I remember another time when my grandparents came over to our house. And, and uh, believe it or not, some of you are going to have to really reach outside of yourself to believe this. But I had done something wrong. And I had gotten in trouble with my mother. And, and about the time my grandparents got there, I was running from my mother. Which, you know, you just really don't ever want to do that unless you're going to keep running. And uh, I, I, w I never will forget my grandmother standing there. She was assessing the situation. And... And uh, so she talked my mother off the wall and talked her out of killing me. And I'm here tonight because of that act of mercy. But I remember that my grandmother reached in her wallet and she gave me a dime. Now, I'm not suggesting that she paid me for running from my mother. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I'm just talking about a grandmother, someone in your life that goes above and beyond that situation didn't merit me being praised. That situation sure didn't merit me being paid. But that's just how she was bent. And so if, and the scripture talks about this, that if our human fathers or if our human caretakers have the ability to give us far more than we ever asked for, how much more will the Lord give us more than we ever asked for? 
And so I'll tell you today that when I'm talking about the Lord restoring your life and changing your life, I'm not talking about a God that can just incrementally make some small adjustments. But I'm telling you that no matter where you are or what you're going through this evening, no matter what you're facing, we're serving a God that can so radically change your life and give you so much more than you ever dreamed possible. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ is, he is a healer and he's a deliverer and he's a way maker. But I'm going to tell you tonight that in, in 2020, he is still in the life changing business. When you look at the story in the New Testament of, of a woman that remains nameless and faceless to us, but it, it, she is certainly a, a woman in scripture that if you know anything about your Bible, you you certainly are familiar with her story. A woman that was caught in adultery. She was a wreck. She was bound by sin. She was bound by sinful desires. And because of this, judgment had been cast upon her. The law was against her. And now mankind was against her. But Jesus stepped in. He stepped onto the scene and he gave her a completely new life. When you look at John chapter 8, the Bible tells us that Jesus went into the temple to teach. And as he began to teach, people gathered around to hear him teach. And then the scripture says that the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him this woman, this woman that was taken in adultery. And the scripture says that they set her in the midst. In the midst of what? They set her in the midst of... If you please, I like to say it this way. They set her in the midst of ministry. He was there teaching and talking. People gathered around. And I would submit to you today that, that this crowd brought her to a place where they thought she was going to receive judgment. But in fact, they brought her into the midst of ministry. Remember, Jesus was speaking, ministering to those, not entertaining them. He was ministering to those that came to him the scripture says, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery, comma, in the very act. Now that doesn't leave a lot of room for discussion. doesn't leave a lot of room for question. I believe a jury of her peers, so to speak, had tried and found her guilty because she was caught in the very act. They were oblivious to the fact that they had brought her into the presence of ministry and the reason they were oblivious to the fact they had brought her into the presence of ministry is because they were so caught up in their carnal mission. We want, the, we want the law of Moses to be extracted. We want death to come her way because that's what the law required. We're going to put her to death. They were so caught up in their mission that they failed to realize that, that they had stepped right into the heart of ministry. I think... That's something that we certainly as a church body should always remember here is that this was a religious group of people in this era. In other words, if we were to say it in our language, this was, this was a group of church-going people. These were church people. Think about that for a moment. And the, these people that were gathered around Jesus who were so hungry to hear what he had to say and, and so hinging upon every word, they were longing to be a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I've just often read that scripture and I've thought about what may have gone or must have gone through the minds of these people that gathered around to hear the ministry of Jesus. 
what went through their mind when they saw the stark contrast of these people who come dragging this woman caught in adultery. Her shame had to be palatable. The atmosphere had to be charged with the absolute embarrassment that she bore in her life. But I've often just wondered, I know we've talked a lot about the people that brought her in and We've talked a lot about the woman at the center of this story, but I've often thought about this nameless and faceless group of people over on this other side that had just come to hear the ministry of Jesus. I wonder what went through their mind when they saw the contrast between the attitude and the spirit of these two groups of people. If you compare the spirit of Jesus to the, to the spirit of these people that are dragging her up there, they were probably thinking, I'm sure glad I don't go to their church. And right now at this particular moment, I am very thankful that Jesus is my pastor. A very distinct line that was drawn there. My point is this. There's a lot of people that are far more worried about their own personal mission than they are the ministry. Jesus wasn't worried about the mission. He was concerned with ministering to people wherever he went. Here's a point I think that we must understand here and we must recognize what the attitude or the position of the church should be when it comes to sin. And I believe that the attitude or the position of the church when it comes to sin needs to be understood in the context of perspective. Furthermore, I believe that perspective has everything to do with maturity because without maturity we just by default lack perspective we can't expect a young child to have the same perspective as an adult as a matter of fact that many points in a, in a child's life even sometimes even into adolescence everything that comes along is a crisis but to an adult who has who has been around the block a few times they understand that this is not the end of the day and, and, and th this is a bad thing today, but there's going to be a tomorrow and you're going to be able to outlive that. And, and this is today's headlines, but there'll be something tomorrow that'll take the headlines and the attention of everything else and all of that comes with maturity. A less mature person is, is, is struggles to see things from another person's perspective. I, I mentioned this in a message that I preached not too long ago. In this particular story of John chapter 8, Jesus said to this angry mob of people that was requiring death, Jesus said to them, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. If we drop down to verse number 9, the Bible says, And they which heard it, which was this angry and thirsty mob, being convicted by their own conscience, not by the words of Jesus, but being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one. And I think it's very important to understand. The Bible says they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. Even unto the last. Beginning at the eldest, even to the youngest. Even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. The older ones first walked away. All the way down to the younger. Because the older people in the crowd were the first ones to drop their stone. And they were the first ones to drop their stone primarily because their maturity gave them a better perspective 
I believe someone in that crowd, whoever the first person was that dropped their stone, whether they said it out loud, they said it in their mind, they said, you know what? He has a point. He has a great point. He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. It was an arresting statement. It stopped murder in its track. It, in its tracks. It, it, stops, it stopped bedlam. It brought peace to an otherwise chaotic situation. We have to understand something that without the grace of God, we ourselves could be in any situation that anyone in this life has ever found themselves in. I've seen a lot of frightening things in my lifetime. I've experienced a lot of frightening things in my lifetime. And by that, I'm not talking about ghosts and goblins. What I'm talking about is I have seen people that have the position that they look down on others in their sin. And they look down on others in their folly. They look down on others in their peril. Thinking somehow, at least conveying in their mind, that could never be me. But can I tell you, when the scripture says, and such were some of you, you can look over that list and you can shove it back and say, my name has never been associated with any one of those things. But I will tell you again, if you're a member of this church, you've heard me say this time and time again. If it had not been for the grace of God that intercepted our lives, we have no idea how the devil had written the original check for our lives. We have no idea what he had planned for our lives, but it was the grace of God that intercepted us. And so I, when the Bible says, and such were some of you, I would say, in, in addition to that, but for grace, there go I. And so when you see some situation that you think is just three lifetimes removed from your life, remember this, if it hadn't been for the grace of God, you may be there right now. And if it's not for the continuing grace of God in your lives, you could be there tomorrow. You say, well, I couldn't be there tomorrow, but you don't know what tomorrow holds or next year holds, or you certainly don't know what five years from now holds. I've talked to too many people that said, I never saw myself in this life. I never envisioned that I would be at this station in my life. I will tell you today, before we get high and lifted up and too high and lifted up for God to do anything with us, we need to realize that if it hadn't have been for the grace of God, I preach and I believe that by the blood of Jesus, that blood can take care of anything that we faced in our past or that we may face in our future. I want us to listen carefully, carefully to the instructions of the Lord while he was on earth ministering. This is what he said in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to, he to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised. Then the Bible says, when he finished reading this, when he finished reading this from the book of Isaiah, that he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. This is what I came to do. I didn't come here 
for the praises of man. This is what Jesus was saying. I didn't come here to be high and lifted up. I didn't come here for you to think that I am all of that. I came to preach the gospel to the poor. I came to the brokenhearted. I came to deliver people that are in captivity. I came to give sight to the blind. And I came to set at liberty them that are bruised. He refused to allow this one particular intersection of John 8 in this woman's life. This woman brought to him, thrust to the ground in the temple sand. He refused to say, I am going to let this be your defining moment in life, but I'm going to give you another chance. I'm a life changer. I'm going to tell you, and I believe that if you're honest, you would concur with me. You're very thankful that the Lord didn't let some of your lowest ebbs be the defining moment in your life. I'm glad that wasn't the defining moment of my life. And I'm thankful that Calvary provided an eraser to wash that sin and mistake away and to separate it as far as the east is from the west. I'm thankful for the grace of God. You see, sometimes there are people that just quite simply feel locked and bound by certain things. Perhaps things in their life, real things that left them scarred. I've heard a lot about generational curses and of course that's taken from the book of Exodus chapter 20. The Bible says in Exodus 20 and 5, the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. I think the key to this scripture is found in those last five words of them that hate me. However, I believe that a person can make a conscious decision with the help of God to change their destiny. There are people that are hearing this message right now that perhaps you had parents that were abusive or maybe you were raised around alcoholism or, or, or drug addiction. And, and of course, again, that's a list that could go on. But the blood of Jesus Christ got a hold of your life his spirit began to deal with you and you decided to let the Lord help you. That you wouldn't walk down that same path. That you would break that. And you would say, no, there's been enough of that in, in my family tree. And so I'm going I'm to start a new trend. I, with the help of God, we're going to turn. And we're going to turn our way toward the Lord. I have no way of, of knowing this. But just bear with me today. I have no way of knowing this. But it is possible that the woman that was called in adultery was the, the daughter of a harlot herself. Maybe, maybe she grew up in this environment and her mother said, this is what you do and this is acceptable. And, and, and maybe she was just walking down the as far-fetched as it may seem. Maybe she was just walking down the only path that she knew until she met a man that said, I can change your destiny and can I tell you that irrespective of what we feel the blank in, that all of us were walking down the only path that we knew until we met a man that would change our destiny. He refused to say, this low ebb of your life, this lowest moment of your life, this will not be the defining moment of your life. I believe there are more than just a few listening to this message that perhaps you too found God at the very lowest moment in your life. It was there when you had exhausted every other means. The Bible talks about a woman with the issue of blood who had spent all that she had on physicians. When she reached the bottom of the bottom, 
Then she reached out to touch the hem of his garment and it was there that the virtue flowed out of him and into her and her life was completely and forever changed. And I will tell you while the circumstances of all of our individual lives may change from person to person, in truth, we were all right there. That lowest moment, that lowest place, perhaps we had exhausted ourselves and done everything within the power of mankind but I am so very thankful that when I reached out for him, he reached back for me. Jesus said in, in John chapter 10 of the thief, he said, that thief, he's just coming to steal and to kill and destroy. But I'm coming that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I don't want to belabor the point here, but I did mention Exodus 20 a, a moment ago and about generational curses. And I'd like to follow, up, follow that up with something, if I may. I believe that Ezekiel chapter 18 answers the questions about generational curses and blessings. I believe that if a person chooses to keep walking down the path that they're on, that's exactly what it winds up being is a choice. And I believe if a person chooses to say, you know what, I've had enough of this life and I'm going this direction and I believe again it boils down to a choice. And so if we choose a, a pathway that leads to blessings, we're going to be blessed. It all comes down to what we decide. Ezekiel 18 and, and verse number 2, I just want to read this if I may. I, I want to, because I mentioned the other, I certainly want to mention this. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 2. Ezekiel, the prophet of God, said, What mean ye that, that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are on edge? He said, as I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have an occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, the Lord said, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. And then he answers the question. He, he, he deals with the issue, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. While I am preaching this to you today, I just want you to understand something. The thing I want you to take home with you, the thing I want you to take away from this is that Jesus is still in the life-changing business. I want to, us to consider a story in the book of Mark chapter 5. It's here that we're introduced to a man that we often just refer to as the demonic of Gadara. Here is a man living in tombs, naked, cutting himself with stones, crying and hollering into the night. And so we get asked the question when we come upon this just scarred human being. And we could ask ourselves, could you find a more broken and battered person in the world? Could we find someone that has gone any further to the end of themselves than the man that is described to us here. Here is a lost soul torn by what the scripture says, legions of demons. But then Jesus came along, the life changer, the man that can make a difference. His mom and dad, his family, his friends had all given up. They had thrown up their hands, not 
not out of frustration, but they had no way of dealing with this situation anymore. He's an outcast. The, the town is trying to figure some way to get rid of him. He is not accepted in society. He is uh, an, absolute, uh, an absolute vagabond living unto himself. And then Jesus came along. And when Jesus finishes with him, read the story. It's Mark 5. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting passage of Scripture. When Jesus finishes with him, he is found clothed. He is found sitting. He is found rested. And more than all of that, he is in his right mind. And he is delivered from the spirit of those demons. I will tell you this in closing this evening. I don't know everything, but I do know this. That wherever you are and whatever you're facing, Jesus can take care of your situation. He is our hope. We could do everything as a church within our power, and we certainly will to help you. But the answer is not going to be found in the human ability that we would have here in our church. The answer is going to be truly in the hands of the Lord. He is in the life-changing business. There is a prophecy from Isaiah 61 that Jesus read, and frankly, he fulfilled it in the very start of his ministry. The Bible says in Isaiah 61 and 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I believe many that are hearing this message have, have experienced the restorative hand of the Lord in your life. You have a photo album you could, you could thumb through and, and it wouldn't bear the same story that we know today. You know alone, you know what God has done in your life. So you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to be so down that you don't know what to do or where to turn and then all of a sudden, the Lord has taken that spirit of heaviness and not left us in a neutral vacuum, but he has given us the spirit of praise in return. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is still in the business of picking up bruised reeds and loving and healing and strengthening them. The other part of that scripture, and I'll just touch this in passing, Jesus also said, that a smoking reed or a smoking flax he would not quench. I'm reminded of Simon Peter, and, and, and Jesus looked at Simon Peter and said, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired you to sift you as wheat. In other words, to utterly destroy you. That's what Satan wants to do. Many times we go through trials and we feel like we're not going to make it. We feel like that at one point we were completely committed to the Lord. We had sold out everything, everything. We cashed in. That's how Simon Peter was at one point in his life. All in. I'm here. I'm here to the bitter end. Where, to whom else would we go? This is the man that said all of those things. He was ready to die for the Lord. And then before you know it, the fire in his life was completely, almost totally extinguished disillusioned by the death of his Savior, disillusioned by, by what was going on in his life. I mean, the, the man that he had put all of his hope and all of his trust in, the man he walked away from his, his career for is hanging on a cross and he is dying. Amen. 
But in that moment of, of his lowest season, Jesus reached out to him with love. He reached out to him with love. We may, we may not feel like at points and times in life there's nothing that can be done. We can feel all of us as though there's no hope. And, and even at times, those that have been just woefully on fire for the Lord, and then the storms of life come in, those unannounced storms, they, they just kind of blew in from nowhere. We didn't see that coming. We, it pulled the rug completely out from under us. Perhaps it was the, the breakup of a family or maybe the, the loss of health or the loss of a job or a career. Those things that can just blow into our lives so unannounced that can just pull everything out from under us. But I want to tell you that, that in the storms of your life, if those storms have left you just a smoking reed, not a flame, just a smoking reed, a smoking flax, if that has just left you as a wick that is just smoking, then I can tell you that Jesus said, I'm still not going to destroy that. He said about that two legs and a piece of an ear. I'll take whatever you'll bring me. I'll take all of your brokenness and I'll make it whole. And so if we will let him, Jesus can put another fire in our heart. He can restore that that we think is forever and perpetually gone. If you're, if you're familiar with perhaps a campfire or just a small fire in your yard, you'll know this to be the truth. There are times it seems that that fire has gone out and there is nothing but smoke. But I've watched people just lean down toward that fire and with just the slightest of, of their effort of blowing on those embers, in just a few moments, that flame is alive again. <laughs> Can I tell you tonight, you may feel that the circumstances of your life, you may even feel that the current situation that we're in as a nation, you may feel that that has extinguished the fire and the hope of your life and that all there is in your life is just the smoke of what used to be, the smoke of what had formerly been your walk with God. Can I tell you that if you'll just let the Lord tonight, right now, if you'll let the Lord right now, the wind of the Holy Ghost, and it wouldn't take much, <laughs> the wind of the Holy Ghost just can begin to blow in your life and where there was nothing but smoke and it seemed that that flame had forever and perpetually gone out, that the Spirit of the Lord can rise again in your heart. I'm going to tell you tonight that there is hope. There is absolute hope. And because of that, because I am so confident that I haven't wasted your time here this evening I'm so confident that because I haven't been sharing with you things that just come from my heart or my mind, but I've been sharing with you the eternal truths of this word, we're going to pray for you and we're going to pray with you. If you'll join us wherever you are, if you're in your home or wherever you may be listening or watching to this, this service, I want to pray for you right now. And I want you to have confidence, not in me, but confidence in God's word and trust him to fan the flame of your life. And no matter how much the enemy would try to convince you that it is forever gone out, I will tell you that there's life on the other side of this and there's a testimony on the other side of this test and the Spirit of the Lord can and He will rise again in your life. Join us together. Lord, I'm asking you today to let the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of your Holy Word, let it find a place in the heart, in the homes, 
in the lives of people that are receiving this message tonight. Let your spirit touch them today, God. Let there be an eternal flame that perhaps the enemy has done his best to extinguish. But I pray, O oh Lord, that the wind of the Holy Ghost would move in their home, in their lives right now. Let your spirit blow. Let your spirit move. Let your spirit today touch them in the mighty name of Jesus. Let the power, Lord, of your word, because it is your word. Let the power of that word find, Lord, a place in their heart that's tender and plant that seed of hope again for them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Our prayers today are with you. We're not going to stop. We're going to continue to preach the word of God. We're going to continue to declare his eternal truths. Amen. We are looking forward to what the Spirit of the Lord is going to do in this hour. We're praying that the power of God of this word tonight would touch your heart, touch your life. It's with complete confidence in his word that we say God is going to touch and change and he's going to make things better if you'll just make yourself available to him in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.